Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, the first technique I learned was a punch. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Punch. I'm your host, as always, Karate Cam, and I'm really looking forward to today's episode. I'm really, I really am. This is going to be a good one, talking about what goes into training, athletically speaking, a karate or combat athlete. But there's a lot of cues that relate to other sports. But as always, we want to do a quick pause and show some love to today's episode sponsor in. You guessed it, Bet Online. With summer baseball getting underway and the NBA Finals just a few weeks away, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your phone and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. But now it's time to introduce today's guest. On the show today, we have Dan Kubistek. Dan is a CSCS certified strength performance coach and has experience working with collegiate and elite level athletes from CU Boulder, Regis University, and Impact Sports Performance. Listen in to what makes a perfect all-around combat athlete when it comes to athletic training and the importance of training, recovery, and nutrition within making the perfect athlete. Enjoy the show. with a personal friend, personal coach, personal life support system, I guess you could say, <laughs> and uh, my strength and conditioning coach, Daniel Kubistek. Uh, what's going on, Dan? How are you? Coach much, Coach Dan, Sensei <laughs> K, what, what, what do we call you here? Hey, I just appreciate you, uh, you having me on. You can pretty much call me whatever as long as I, you do what I say. <laughs> I just if if this goes well, my next workout will be okay. If not, then we'll be struggling. We'll be we'll be gasping, you know, short of breath, as they say. You can you only know? you can only hope. You know, that's what it is. But no, for real, man. Thank you for being on. I I I think a big thing within the world of combat sports is, you know, the strength and conditioning aspect, right? So, for example, within karate, one of the challenges with that is like we come from a one coach singular 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 master type mindset right and that we have the sensei that is you know for me this is how i grew up right until i was my eyes were open to sports performance and all the things that go into it and all the different factors but um the one one one-stop approach of your sensei is your nutritionist your your psychologist your strength and conditioning coach and your skills coach and and while it's great to have you know multiple you know attributes under your belt it's usually not the best thing so um yeah man like like essentially what got you into this in the first place well so that's that's a good question and I I think we'll kind of touch on to it at some point but kind of that like you talked about it's that it's that sensei idea and it's that kind of athlete centric approach to training is kind of what I base everything on you know my philosophy but um having that, you know, that quote unquote sensei, I think is such a big, a big thing. And honestly, that's kind of been the driving force kind of for why I started to train was to help, you know, individual athletes, you know, whether through it's a team aspect or just a one-on-one situation, that's kind of been the driving force for me to, to kind of keep in this industry and keep training and, you know, continue to be in strength coach. But 
um, where I kind of got my start really was in college. It was to be a strength coach, at least for me back then, wasn't like a super big idea. Um, I actually wanted to start out as a physical therapist, realized that cost way too much money uh, for grad school <laughs> and decided, I was like, well, maybe I'll, I'll look at something else. But the whole idea of like training the human body to, from a physical therapy standpoint, to get better versus training a, you know, or the strength conditioning aspect of, you know, pure performance. Uh, I just never really thought about it in the latter sense, but um, I had a, uh, a, I guess he, uh, he was a, he was a teacher. That's right. Yeah. He was a teacher. Um, taught a strength conditioning class. I kind of just took it as a good credit, you know, get a few extra credits so I can graduate college kind of a deal. Um, but he just absolutely opened my eyes to everything strength conditioning to different types of programming to, you know, how to screen for injury prevention, things like that. Um, and it just blew my mind. Um, there was so much more into it rather than just, Hey, let's go run a few laps. Let's do some push-ups. Let's back squat, you know, to actually train and improve an athlete to make them stronger, faster, you know, all those kind of typical things, um, was way more detailed and way more involved than I had ever thought, you know, I was that same, you know, college bro that was like, Oh, just go hit legs three days a week. And, you know, all upper body and do, you know, 15 bench press exercises and variations. And, you know, that was how you, you know, you got stronger and bigger. Well, like the, the aspect for me that I just love was you don't have to do all that with an athlete. You really shouldn't do that all with an athlete. You like, you want to get them in, do what they need to do and then get them out so we can continue to improve while keeping them safe and ready for their sport. Um, so long story short, I had a really cool teacher. He was awesome at what he did opened my eyes to all of this and I just kind of took it and ran with it from there. Yeah. I, I mean, not like, I think I've actually never heard that answer from you cause I've never asked, but um, looking at like the overall human, it's like a big thing when it comes to coaching on any, on any, um, on any level. And I think, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And I, I, and funny enough, I think you play that quote unquote sensei role to an extent with everybody that comes in. Cause anybody that works with you, including myself, right. Cause I'm the, the chaos of all the athletes. <laughs> they always talk to you, man. Anytime I see anybody come in, they're always communicating, talking about what's going on in their lives, right? How, how to improve on not just, that plane right with with strength and conditioning but also how it applies to you know training aspects with with other things within their lives and that's like a big thing of what i try to implement within this podcast is to try and show how karate is also applicable to life a lot of the same lessons that we're working through sport are applicable to life you know yeah absolutely no i mean that's that's probably one of the most underrated parts and it's within strength conditioning i could i should say is how the athlete you know handles themselves around you within a team it's it's that idea it's that that we're buying right everybody wants buying from their athletes whether it's individual within a team and the easiest way to do that is you know is to care it's you know hey how's your day going like and you know it's not always like the easiest thing like you know you work with teenagers obviously teenagers are sometimes the worst they don't always want to talk to you it's short answers but as soon as you start to get them to open up you get them to believe in a lot of other things. So as soon as I can get an athlete to kind of trust me a little bit, then I know I can get them to trust me when I say, Hey, you need to go a little bit deeper in that squat, so to speak, or to say, so 
that's a huge piece is just that that communicative aspect of that trust aspect to build that buy-in and you know i'm sure it's the same you know with the senseis in different dojos it's you know if you trust that sensei who's telling you what to do on the mat then you know you believe him and you know that what he's telling you is is the right thing and you're gonna you know kind of believe that wholeheartedly you know it's funny that you say that too man because like i remember distinctly um I was, I used to travel all the time down to South Carolina to to train with the the head national team coach at the time. And um, I remember, I remember I was, we were sitting in the car one day we were driving home from practice and I asked him, I was like, what separates these top tier, amazing athletes from me? Like, you know, I was kind of in a losing streak at that point. I was like, well, why can I not like what, what's one of the biggest attributes? And they, and his response was that is trust in your coach, right? Trust in the people that are around you or the people that are directly inflicting, you know, not inflicting, but directly affecting your performance at that stage. So it's funny that you bring that up. And, and I think that's something I've tried to selfishly bring into the gym whenever, you know, I, cause I've cycled through different trainers now. It's like every single time I'm like, Hey, we got to have a connection. Otherwise this thing ain't yeah. going to work. You know? <laughs> no. Hey, what, uh, what good session doesn't start with 20 minutes of just chatting about your day. The non-productive ones. The non-productive. Yeah. You go over 20 minutes and then you, you just, kind of push in that one. And, then, and that's when you're like, dude, Hey, hit your warm up for once. Like, you need yeah, to- no, but I mean, again, just to kind of keep going off of that. I mean, it's, like you said, it's high level versus not high level. Every lower level, not to say that, you know, they're bad, but, you know, at a lower level of competition, there's athletes that are striving to get better. Usually they have a little bit more arrogance about them. You know, they've been really doing really well. Maybe they get to a higher level of competition and they think they're kind of, you know, the big man on campus, so to speak. And they don't really want to listen or take feedback or, you know, listen to coaching or cues or anything like that. And that's, that's kind of where I love trying to be that, that bridge almost is, Hey, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the sport, but it's maybe I can get them to think a little bit differently about, okay, well, what if you did this in your sport? Or what if you treated a coach like this or different, you know, teammate like this, what, what is that going to open up in terms of how you see perspective, not only like in your life, but then in your sport as well. So maybe you see something a little bit differently in terms of, you know, oh, if I react to this first that, or if I look at this instead of that, or I think about this instead of that, does that help them at all? And so that's kind of a cool, at least mental piece for me that I try to connect on with athletes outside of just kind of the physical attributes that we're working towards. Yeah, completely, man. Like what, what, um, I guess like what's the array of, or the spectrum of athletes that you've worked with from different sports? So mainly it's been all, all kind of teams. Um, I've worked with basketball, um, all different levels, lacrosse, uh, hockey has been a big one that I've worked kind of consistently with um, through my whole career. Uh, and then obviously karate was kind of my first combat sport that I've really kind of dove into and, and worked directly with. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I, what, what, what was it like? you know, switching over to, to a combat sport. It, it was weird, man. I got to be honest with you. Um, just the pure physicality. And, you know, I actually had this thought the other day of trying to think back, you know, when we first started and I had absolutely no idea what really karate was. You know, I was thinking, you know, karate was the Cobra Kai version of, you know, stuff that I, you know, movies <laughs> or shows. It was, 
um, you know, uh, absolutely something completely different than what I, what I thought it was. And the biggest thing that I learned was it's so intricate and kind of weird with like, you know, rules, procedures. It's not just your prototypical, like whistle blows, you play whistle blows, you stop. Um, to an extent, obviously there are things like that where there are stops and stops, but the flow of a, the flow of a match in karate, um, was kind of really weird and kind of eye-opening for me. Um, like I said, mm, because it's, yeah. it's, it is so different just because it's a combat sport doesn't mean it's the same as boxing or UFC or, you know, anything else like that. It really has its own kind of set of nuances, which was, and I'm, I'm still learning from you today of all these different things. And even, you know, the logistical side, the background pieces of karate, um, rather than just the sport and how it all affects itself. But no, it was just, it's all the weird little things that, you know, I never really thought about, or, you know, the idea I had in my head of a karate sport, karate athlete was completely different than what I, you know, it came to be. Right. And, uh, I mean, like you came to watch, me compete not too long ago at like our, our Rocky mountain tournament. What, like, what were your, what were your thoughts and takeaways from that? Cause I don't think we've ever like debriefed about that. I mean, you know, after, you know, the past couple of years, I, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of how a match goes down and what to look for. And, you know, in terms of like scoring and how everybody does, but even, I mean, I don't know how many times I, you know, was like, yeah, he scored. And then it was like, yeah, no, he didn't. And I was, <laughs> you know, so it's the nuances it's like just because you take a punch you know doesn't mean that that'll get you a point it's you know and i forget the word i think it's with kata in um, yes yeah the like the forms like yeah the forms and but there's a there's a word and tell me what it is it's a uh, when you like put your like your heart and soul into it and like that's why they like scream oh like like the ki is what the scream is but zanshin is like what we talk about, like is one of the criteria of scoring is like, like, or yeah, that's like what, like you show completion of your techniques. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, like, and that's like, that's one thing that you don't find in any other sport. Like if right. you tackle somebody in like football, like that's still a tackle, but like, right, right, karate, right. but you don't like finish and you don't like show that I already forgot the word. Uh, Zanshi, uh, that's gonna be our word for the day. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. our word for the day. Put on a calendar. Uh, <laughs> that's it. But like, if you don't have that Zanshi, then it's just like, no, like, you just you didn't care as much. So it's like it's there's a there's a level of like, how much do you care while doing your sport versus like doing your sport, and like that's mind blowing to me. And that was kind of one of the bigger things that I I took away from watching you guys uh, or watching you uh, you compete. Right. Right. And like, um, um, man, like how could, is there even a way to train that within like, uh, like sports performance training? Uh, I, I think kind of, but not to an extent, I think more so in terms of like sports performance training, it's, it's trying to get the athlete to care. Um, and trying to, you know, saying like, Hey, I want this to be fast. I can't make them go fast but if they can push themselves to try and go faster every single rep, every single sprint, whatever it may be, obviously within the right context, that's kind of what we're looking for. And I think that's probably the most similar thing um, to actually competing because it's all that kind of intrinsic motivation. Like you can try and do really well, but if you don't have that internal drive to finish a punch, to finish a kick, to finish a sprint, 
you know, as fast as you possibly can to finish a rep, you know, as strong as you can, then, I mean, you're just not going to get it. Right. And like, you're, that's like a habit at that point. Yeah. Right. And you're working the same skill from one thing to the other. I was just thinking about like, it just occurred to me right now, like the death of me in the most positive ways, the hang clean, right. The, like the, the, the barbell movement of a hang clean. And um, man, how many times do we go back and forth about the form and then focus on this and focus on this and focus on this. Right. And it's like, I, I like me personally, I care about the movement to be the correct way because I've been drilled and it's been drilled into my head that if, if the, if the form is not correct or the, the procedure is not the, the, the best way, the most accurate way, then you're not going to get everything out of the, the movement. And so like, that's why I was just, it just popped into my head right now. It's like, man, how much do I go back and forth with this guy about just like a, a simple hang clean as they would say. Right. Um, but like, it's that same idea that you're talking about right now is repping it out, but in a mental sense as well. Yeah, And so, especially, you know, you think of a sport like karate where it's so technical and it's, if they do this, I do this, but then I have to react to this or that. And it's so quick and dynamic in terms of like a match and a, a fight. Um, that's, I mean, that's the same thing with, you know, lifting in a lot of senses, not to say that lifting is equal to, you know, a karate match, obviously not. Um, but obviously depending on the sport for you specifically, who's very mental, very cerebral in terms of how you train and how you go about, you know, your training regimen and recovery and things like that, the hand clean is perfect for you because <laughs> we have to go back and forth so much. And he always asks, well, okay, well, if I do this, well, am I hinging too much? Like, all right, well, where are my feet at? As soon as I push, like, were they too far much or too far up? You know, where did I catch it? Things like that. Did I catch it? Well, so for you, the hang clean, you know, is so perfect because you have to try and break it down and, and slow it down with one gigantic movement where most people would, you know, separate and go like, oh, well, you don't quite understand it. Let's, you know, let's regress a little bit to, you know, maybe just like a hang shrug um, or something like that. Which we do, which we do. Which do. We, do. Yeah, <laughs> we still have to get better at it. You know, I'm not just, not, it's not hang cleans every single day as much as I would love to. Uh, right. But I mean, that, that's part of kind of training the individual rather than the sport. It's you have to take certain things and morph it and mold it to what's the best for the athlete. You know, hand cleans for you is not, you know, hand cleans are not the best for another athlete. Um, you just have to be able to modify and change. And again, it comes back to that mental state. It's like, can they mentally understand it? No, then we need to regress for a little bit. Or are they so cerebral that, you know, we have to do different kinds of variations. Like we've done, you know, behind the neck press before and trying to figure that out is not the easiest thing in the world. And I don't know how many conversations, right. probably as many as not more conversations about how to fully execute a behind the neck press, you know, correctly than a hand clean. You know what I mean? Like you've, you have a pretty good idea of a hand clean, but like we threw that behind the neck pressing and it just, Oh man, it was, it was a mess. It was a mess for a solid. What was it like a eight week phase? It was a mess. I got better. It took all eight weeks too, to get a good rep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. But like you talking about, you know, working like through or like around or whatever for the athlete, you know, kind of brings me to like, let's say you were, you were given a hundred karate athletes what would be the way you would go about and obviously it changes right it's not the complete cookie cutter approach because 
just with my other training partner that comes into the gym and works out with me, his body style and, and, you know, um, what do you want to say? Strength, speed, everything is different, right? It's just different. What, what would you, like, how would you go around or about programming for a karate athlete? What would, like, what would you focus on? What would like the workouts like predominantly look like things like that with like one athlete you said a hundred like with the- yeah the 100 I, like i said the one because i know it could change like obviously from one athlete to the yeah. next it would change okay. but like if you just got a hundred athletes right like how would you how would you go about that uh you walk out the gym and you go find 99 other trainers we're <laughs> crazy man Wait, no. can't handle no, that so. can't handle <laughs> No, so when you get like a lot of athletes, obviously it, it presents itself with a bunch of challenges because trying to individualize a hundred programs isn't always the most applicable thing to do, especially when it's depending on, is it two or three days a week? You know, is it an hour? Is it just, you know, 30, 45 minutes? You know, what do they have going on afterwards? It's honestly a lot, obviously for them. And it's a lot, you know, for the trainer as well. So for myself, um, to be able to program for that, obviously, there's a general idea of movements of uh, attributes that you want to train and get better at per the sport, per the athlete, no matter what, these attributes just have to get better, you know, get stronger, faster, quicker, all those kind of general ideas we want to get better at. Now you change the movements depending on the sport. So a lot of it would be very, you know, cookie cutter, quote unquote, I think where you kind of can individualize a little bit more, especially when you get to larger groups is certain individual things, you know, it's the accessory work. It's, you know, what mobility do you need versus, you know, this kid versus this athlete versus this athlete, like you need some more shoulder work. You need some more hip work. You need some more ankle work. Um, So mobility is kind of the bigger thing because mobility frees up a lot of the other stuff to get better at, you know, Better hip mobility means better squat. Right. Better ankle mobility means, you know, better squat. Doesn't matter what you do, as long as we can get, you know, and then this example of squat better, we'll individualize it with whatever we need to, to then come back around and make that larger, um, that larger movement better, if that kind of makes sense. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, but like, but like, uh, I, I, my question was more geared, sorry for that. Cause I, I miscommunicated that, but like my question was more geared for like, how would you program for karate athletes oh, versus other okay, athletes? Okay. I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? For other I sports, know. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I completely agree with you, but like, like what, what, what would make a karate athlete? Like, is, why is that different? What would you focus more so on after having the experience of working with you. them? Okay. Now? Okay. Um, yeah. Programming okay. for them. Versus others. Right no, there. no, it's good. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was, it because what you said was important, right? And like I think before I before I, I let you answer the question, I think it's extremely important, in the sense of like how I would approach, for example, teaching yeah. my team, like my competitive group, right? Every group, every individual is different. My my, I can name a kid right now. Connor is good at kicks. Um, look at a different person. Ashton, his name is his uh, his his thing is kata. You look at another one, Julia, she could do hand, you know, hands and feet, right? It's like different and individualizing yeah. to maximize their bigger movements, whatever the technique is, is important. So like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It was just my, my, my thought process is how would you program like for karate okay, athletes? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So kind of like we talked about karate is just a little bit weirder in terms of, you know, the nuances and things like that. Um, but the biggest thing 
I would say with training karate athletes and kind of combat sports, um, it's just a, you need a wider range um, of kind of attributes. You know, you need to train a little bit more globally versus rather than, you know, say like a sprinter. You want to, you know, train specifically to make them faster. Um, football player, you know, make them stronger. You know, basketball player, make them jump higher. Those kind of general overlying attributes you want to make better. Obviously, you want a well-rounded athlete, but with like karate, it's everything. It's rotational, it's balance, it's strength, it's reactive, it's proprioception. There's so many things that go into, you know, what makes a karate athlete elite versus not elite. Um, so you have to train every single one of those. And I think that's kind of where the biggest challenge comes in is we have, you know, 15 different things that we need to increase on. It's what do you need to pick and choose from? You know, and so that kind of comes back where it comes back to sure. that individualistic approach of, you know, you need to work on these three specific things, let's say, and they need to work on these two specific things. Well, this other athlete is good at all of them. So it's what do we do, you know, kind of a deal. So that's kind of the biggest things. And, you know, with karate athletes, it's, I would say the two biggest things that I found, you know, working with you and everybody else, it's being able to do almost normal things, if you will, uh, because, you know, especially with, you know, senseis and it's, it's very repetitive, you know, with punch, punch, kick, kick, and you guys just do a lot of kind of the same things, you know, stop me if I'm, you know, too far off base, but, you know, it's very technique driven within your sport. Um, and so to be able to do something outside of that makes you a better athlete. So I think just almost a general kind of prep in terms of training I think goes a long ways because you're doing, you know, more bilateral movements, more, you know, feet on the ground, not so much single leg, you know, balancing, you know, we're trying to do like a hook kick, you know, instead of three hours of that, we can do some bilateral, you know, keep both feet on the ground, things like that kind of, uh, are kind of what I think make training for uh, karate athletes specifically also combat sports. You can kind of add them in a little bit. Um, but I think that's kind of what makes it a little bit different than training any other sport yeah like um i mean that's that's i actually didn't really think about that because like you would you think right on in general if i have this type of athlete that throws punches all the time right we want to boost the punch we want to boost the punch we want to boost the but also thinking about what aids the boost of the punch is important right yeah. you know so just because i land on my left leg or yeah well for me to be like my left leg a lot of times when i land for my punch it's not always just about prepping that left leg. It's also about, you know, working our, you know, the rotational muscles, what's going on in your right leg, right? And things like that. So I, I think that's actually a really cool way to think about it is like, okay, get your basis, but also think about things that they're not doing on average, which makes sense for why yeah. my confidence is always so low in the gym, you know? So now, <laughs> I'm playing, but, um, wow, yeah. no, but no, but no, it's a, I have the, the mentality of like fill the buckets. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. So you are doing, you know, in terms of sports performance, if like karate is such a very single leg dominant sport. Um, so that bucket is completely full, especially when, you know, you get to your camps and your training sessions and you're doing, you know, practices and comps, you know, week in, week out. Um, so that single leg bucket is completely full. So I don't want to keep adding more 
to that bucket because then at some point that's going to tip we're going to lose all of it i.e injury possible um things like that you know fatigue overtraining. so let me fill the other bucket being bilateral you know or you do a lot of punching so that's a lot of pushing that bucket is completely full so now i need to maybe do some more rowing you know some more you know kind of lat dominant work to kind of help pull back in so it's not just so there's some grounded basis to that strength of punching that I have something on the other side controlling it back it's kind of like you mentioned that's what's going to make it strong so if I just punch 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 I'm only going to get to a certain level of how strong my punch can be with just punching you know I need something that's going to pull it back and kind of restrict it so now it has to work even harder to punch like I was before so I kind of feel the buckets method it's kind of kind of how I approach all my training um with all athletes and all sports, it's, you know, what are they doing? You know, a lot of kind of, let me do the opposite of what that needs to be. And obviously that's kind of time dependent on, you know, competitions, you know, practices, is it off season, preseason, kind of where they are within their training year. But that's kind of the general idea or approach that I kind of really take year round. Um, but more so, like I said, especially with karate athletes who are so year round with practices and competitions that just go, you know, I, I don't know how many you had a couple of years ago when it was, you know, you were here for two weeks and then gone for two weeks and then here for a week and then gone and then here and gone for like four straight months. And it was like, all right, we had six training sessions. Right. It just gets so tough, especially when you get to that elite level, like you are, I mean, it's, you just have to do as little as you can to make sure that, you know, you're fresh and you're feeling good and we're keeping everything healthy. Right. So like, actually that was going to be my next question for you is like, do you focus on maintenance of things when it gets to that point? Right. Cause a lot of like, man, I wish I could tell you there's a quote unquote karate season, but for us on this end of the world, um, there's not in Europe. I know they take, uh, the summers off. It's may- maybe not off, but they have like a little bit of a rest time to what would be yeah. the equivalent of a off season. But here, man, we, we don't, we don't have rest because we have those European tournaments, year round, right. Or world championships, Pan Americans, whatever. And then in the summer is like time for us to hit nationals and like team selections and other things like that. So there is not really like that traditional break in until COVID happened for me. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. No. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of tough to fully plan, um, especially for a schedule like that. Like you just mentioned, the only thing that we can really do is have a plan and then be able to adjust. Like any, like any sport, again, specifically with karate, you can have an idea of what you want to do. And yeah, it's mainly just going to be maintaining, you know, keeping them strong, um, injury-free, kind of get in, get out type of a deal, just because there is such a mental strain with, you know, practices and then all the traveling and stuff like that, that we can't push too hard because then we kind of risk overtraining a little bit. Um, and again, it's, it's that mental piece of how are they feeling mentally with their training and their practicing. Um, you know, keep their highs, highs and their lows, lows is something that I've always heard. So it's like, you know, we had a really tough day of practice, you know, let's push it a little bit more in the weight room because they're already kind of going to be tight. Um, and then, you know, if it's like, yeah, we have tomorrow off, well, you know, maybe we don't train that day, you know, let's make sure it's a full true recovery day. So we don't just keep pounding them into the ground and keep hitting the nail on the head, you know, let's keep them as fresh as they can and that's where having an athlete that really communicates with you is huge because especially you get to those kind of individual 
sports like you do, if you feel something while you're participating or while you're practicing or in a tournament, whatever, being able to come back and be like, hey, coach, you know, I, I felt like I was really weak on this leg or I felt like, you know, this, you know, this, I couldn't rotate as much or like, I feel really tight my hip, stuff like that. Well, now that's something that I know we need to work in. Obviously, because when you're 2,000 miles away fighting in Dubai, <laughs> you know, I may be able to watch you, but I might not be able to, you know, truly see what's going on. And I don't talk to you until like four days later. So maybe that's kind of cleared up. So like I said, having an athlete that can come in kind of in season, quote unquote, and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Or this is what I think. Then that allows me to adjust a lot more and provide a better training experience for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you hit it. Like, I love it. I think communication. And you're the best at that. I, I, I over communicate. That's the thing. Yeah. I stop sharing so much, man. <laughs> yeah. one, one minute after the match and you're like, Hey coach, this is what I felt, you know, yeah, tell me, did you win or lose? You're just like, yeah, my right oblique was kind of sore. Just flared up real quick. And oh my gosh. Like, what what mobility, <laughs> man? What mobility should I do mid midway through the match? That's what it is. I mean, but like, but I mean, I mean, joking aside, I think, that's an extremely important thing. And that's why I try and again, this is a personal, personal deal here, but like, that's why I try and create that connection with whoever's a part of my quote unquote team is because I need to have that open flow because sometimes, and I mean, I, I can't think of a specific instance, but I've been like, Hey, like, I don't, I don't know if this is right. And you're just like, well, no, it is. You're just overthinking it at this point. And I think that flip end of the spectrum is also important. And a lot of times I like, I would want that from my coach, right? I would never want me to want it to be like, Hey, this hurts. So then you're obviously like, Oh yeah, it hurts. Right. But like, if you see something different and disagree with what I have to say, you don't say anything, you know, and that open floor or like form forum of communication is something I, I value. And I guess like you could answer this next question with that, but like, what, what are your favorite athletes to work with? So obviously you yeah. <laughs> far not. <laughs> I know that's good. <laughs> I was thinking about what types, oh. what types, not individuals, types, yeah. not individuals. Oh, okay, yeah, you know? I got you. Uh, no, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Right now, um, I, I can't really say that I have like a favorite sport um, to, or athlete to athletes. You know, general speaking, to train. Um, I was huge on basketball and obviously I, I still really am in a lot of ways. Um, cause that's kind of how I wet my beak a little bit, um, in terms of strength conditioning was, you know, I work with, you know, basketball teams at CU and Regis and I have a buddy that plays overseas and I help train him. So th that's kind of where I really kind of got my start and true high level performance was in basketball. Um, so I just, that's, you know, will always be near and dear to me, um, and trying to train them. It's, it's kind of the same thing. It's always a puzzle and trying to figure that sport out. Um, but I think more or less right now, I'm more big on just the individual kind of aspect of it. Um, so rather than training to a sport, training to an athlete. Uh, so what do they need specifically? You know, what boulders do we need to move for them to get them better at their sport? Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, just because like we talked about, it's that puzzle piece. It's what do you need versus what does somebody else need? What piece fits for you versus another, you know, first a different piece or first versus a different athlete. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of training. I just think that individual aspect of what do you need today, you know, versus like, what do you need in general is a lot more effective 
than just being like, all right, well, your sport does this. So let's train this, right. You know, because no matter what sport you play, like if you're just not athletic, <laughs> like there's nothing I can do to like really train to make you athletic and then better at your sport, but we can do things to help build confidence in your athleticism to then help you perform better at practice, which is then in turn going to help you perform better in your matches, your games, your tournaments, et cetera. All of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And, um, it like for a, from a personal perspective and like from me coaching others, I, I completely agree with you. That's like a very, it's a challenge. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle that you have to manage or figure out every single day. And, and, um, it's exciting in that way. Um, just as much as it can be frustrating. So, uh, but like the, the last kind of main thing I wanted to touch upon before we close is like, man, what, can you just break down what like a good perspective on recovery is? Because, I, within my studies right now, like within my, my master's program, we talk about, Hey, it's so you don't have to go 110 every day to be number one, right? There's like the, there's like the balance point and understanding your body and like the, the million other things you can come up with. But I think something that I value about our training is within our communication and like within obviously my body language and me huffing and puffing. Sometimes you see that like you dude you're not ready for this right now you don't like you not even that it's, it's not that you i couldn't do it it's more or less like you don't need this this is not helping you you know this is this is like deteriorating you more than you know building you up you know uh, but like yeah just give me like your perspectives on that so in terms of recovery obviously that's that's a really big one um especially in like sports performance and strength conditioning um because you know you get kind of your old school coaches and really any sport and it's you know run them run them run them like they need to be I was just a little bit off topic but they're kind of you know they have this old school mentality of like what is training and the same thing with like what is recovery recovery you know a long time ago was like just jump in an ice bath stretch a little bit and then you should be good to go but when those athletes come to that next training session that next practice and they're not moving as well they're not as fast it's Oh, well, they didn't just, they didn't take care of themselves. Well, no, like not necessarily because like you talked about how ready were they for that session before that made them so tired? You know, were they properly rested? Did they get enough food that morning or that afternoon, whatever? Do they have any personal issues going on? with it? Did their girlfriend break up with them? Did they fail a test? Like there's so many different variables to what, how an athlete, uh, does within that you know that lifting session that conditioning session that practice that can affect them entirely so when it comes to uh recovery i think like you talked about is is that communication aspect it's being true and honest like with yourself and with your coach of like hey this is how i'm feeling you know this is how i'm doing this is how my body is this is what hurts this is what feels good and then you can kind of adjust from there where it's like okay well you know your leg really really hurts so you can still kind of recover within a training session. Go, okay, well, let's take out some legs. Let's cut down the volume, you know, to kind of give, you know, that lower body a little bit more rest. Um, so on top of that, just within a normal recovery, it's just, I mean, it's your basic stuff, honestly. It's, you know, it's stretching, it's drinking water. It's, you know, making sure you're getting enough rest for that night. Um, just those typical kind of things. And I mean, the biggest thing is nutrition. You know, if you're not eating properly, it really doesn't matter what you do because you can't feel your body. 
to recover, to respond to, you know, all the, the stressors that you're putting it through. So in terms of like recover, like I said, that's a, that's a big package to unravel, but just, I mean, it's really a lot more simple than I think people think, but it's just, it's always a tough thing to do because, you know, especially when you get to a high level, it's, they always want to push, push and push, you know, they don't want to ever pull back. And I think it's that ego aspect that I think really hurts a lot of athletes because they think, oh, I can do this. Like, it's just another five reps. Does that five reps, are they going to make a difference whether you win or lose a match? My thoughts, probably not, you know, you back squatting, you know, three by five versus five by five doesn't mean that you're going to get bronze at Pan Ams versus gold. Mm. You know what I mean? So in terms of recovery, I mean, at least from my end, it's, you know, what are we doing that really makes the most sense? Like, is what we do volume wise, intensity wise, really going to affect you in your match? Probably not. It's just more, again, kind of all the stuff we talked about. It's that cerebral, it's that mental aspect of like, how hard are you trying? Are you finishing your rep? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You know, and that's where it really comes down to where you see that body language, you see that, you know, how are they talking to you? Are they getting really quiet? Are they not as, you know, exuberant? You know, do they not have that confidence as much anymore? And that's where you have to be able to, as a coach, kind of visually see and have that coach's eye of like, all right, hey, we're going to pull you back a little bit. And then kind of dealing with, you know, like, oh no, coach, I'm fine. <laughs> well, no, like, sounds familiar. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I know you're not. Like, I can see you struggling, you know, with 135. Like, you shouldn't be struggling with that. So don't tell me you're fine. But again, it's that ego of like, oh yeah, no, I just need to get a couple working sets in. Five working sets later, and, you know, we've done an extra 30 reps. And it's like, well, that's double our volume for the day. So, like, what do we just do? We just hurt ourselves even more. Sure. So, I mean, long story short, recovery is a whole lot of things, but the biggest thing that, you know, I think if you can get an athlete to be honest with themselves and know it's okay to do a little bit less, you know, obviously, you know, that's very contextual and situational, but if you can get them to realize where their bodies are at, then that's going to make a huge difference in recovery because you they know hey i need to pull back a little bit or you know i feel good today let's push it a little bit so you still get adaptations and things like that but they know themselves a lot better to perform a lot better yeah yeah and i think uh like just just going off of that being consistent within those small things can make a big difference over time too you know yeah. Um, but you can, stretch, you can stretch for a couple of days a week and feel good, but after a year, yeah, right. <laughs> it won't, it won't help. It won't help, especially no, just after consistent beating on your body, you know, yeah. but Hey, sensei, Dan, coach, Dan, I appreciate you being on, man. This is a, this is, this is fun, man. <laughs> like, talking hey, about a, new, new things, man. New things. Hey, this is a, it's a great moment for me. I've, uh, obviously we've been at it for a while and it's, it's cool to, kind of step into your world a little bit more. And uh, I just uh, thank you for inviting me and just for being a part of the life and uh, letting me train you for the last couple of years. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure re- like receiving the training. So I appreciate you. And uh, I hope we could just keep keep riding this, this train to more success together. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you again for coming on. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Believe in the Punch podcast. If you have not already, please 
just click the download button. It always me it always makes me feel good. It always shows you support. Give it five stars. Leave a comment and please share with your friends. We do have a new series starting up called specifically Matt Chats, where I answer questions that people ask me both on social media and through my email. So keep an eye out. Go follow in the punch. That is I N the Punch on Instagram to keep up with all the latest episodes and news of this podcast and so you can ask me a question. I look forward to hearing from everybody soon. And as always, keep your hands up and believe in the punch. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.